Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Due to the coronavirus pandemic, we are continuing to record this podcast remotely for the safety of our guests and our team. So, on with the show. Hello and welcome to White Wine Question Time, the podcast that asks its guests three thought-provoking questions, usually washed down with three glasses of wine. However, today's show is being recorded at the unwinely time of 10am, so I'm afraid it's espressos all the way. My guest this week is arguably Britain's best-known greengrocer. Born and raised in Peckham, he was the product, he says, of a often horribly dysfunctional childhood that included sexual abuse at the hands of his babysitter's husband, and discovering at the age of 14 when his parents divorced after years of drunken rows and infidelities that his real father was, in fact, his mother's lover. His mother went on to marry his biological father, but family life wasn't easy, and he dropped out of school and moved out of home at 15, landing a job in New Covent Garden's fruit and veg market, where he went on to eventually set up his own multi-million pound wholesale business. He was and remains a workaholic, but seven years ago, his business empire came crashing down and he was forced to start again. He's been married four times and met his last two wives on Twitter, whilst his first marriage lasted just six days. His second marriage gave him his two eldest children, who he raised after winning custody of them after divorcing with their mother. He now has a young son, Sid, who he raises with his fourth wife at their home in Kent. His broadcasting career happened almost by accident after a journalist on a trade grocery magazine suggested him to Radio 4, where he went on to co-host his own show Veg Talks for seven years before moving to Saturday Kitchen and then MasterChef in 2005, where he's been ever since alongside John Tarode. Having become a devout gym bunny many years ago in a quest to lose weight and become healthier, he's now full stone lighter and in lockdown launched his own fitness app, showme.fit, which is full of the workouts and recipes he swears by. I really am looking forward to talking to him, so let's dial up Greg Wallace. Greg Wallace, good morning. How the devil are you? I'm well. I'm happy. I'm happy. I worked, I worked out a little bit too hard this morning with a Zoom link with my trainer, but uh, but I'm all right now, yeah. I felt like falling asleep afterwards. Are you still getting up at like 4.30 in the morning to train to get ahead of your busy day? I um, It depends whether, well, not now because I can't get to the gym. So now I'm up at about five and I'm training at about six with a Zoom oh, link. Greg, Greg yeah. you're inspiring. You really are. I mean, this. Uh, we're going to talk about this a little bit more um, in a moment, but I know that for you, well, most people found lockdown one, and I'm talking to you now in 
as we edge towards the end of week one, lockdown two, hope everyone's keeping up. You loved lockdown, didn't you? Because you got fit and fabulous and you got to spend some time with your family, which for a workaholic on the run is as rare as hen's teeth. Well, it was hard to start off with and I flew into a bit of a panic and was suffering real anxiety, so much so that I had like anxiety rashes coming out of my legs because I've always worked since I was about four years old. Um, so to not be able to work um, just sent me into a blind panic. However, however, when I realised... Go on, Kate. But, so so that really, you got, an ex- you got an anxiety rush because of your inability rush. to get out and carry yeah. on working. Yeah, wow. yeah, I did, yeah. Yeah, I, was, I, was, um, I, I didn't like it at all. I've always, always worked. And, uh, but then when I sat down and realised I had enough money to last me until a good few months, um, I started to relax. And then bits of work started coming in that I could do at home. And then I really got in the swing of it and really, really enjoyed it. I loved it. Um, I've got a baby boy. Um, my eldest daughter's here. My in-laws are here. I've got two little dogs. Uh, I've got a little bit of land. And I had such a nice time. I mean, listen, bear in mind, like, you know what life is like on the road, right? Because, you know, you've, you've, been in, you've been in showbiz a long time as well. You kind of... You don't have control over what you have. Very few choices over what you can eat, and because I'm a master chef judge, I'm forced to eat foods that I might not necessarily. So, for the first time in lockdown, for the first time in 20 years, I was able to have complete and utter freedom over everything I ate. It was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. It hasn't happened to me in years or ever. Really? So you were able to kind of. Um police yourself in a way that in the real world I mean you do have to eat a lot of puddings on MasterChef and you are you have got the most you've got an incredibly sweet tooth haven't you in fact when I'm forced to eat things I don't want it feels more uncomfortable I don't now like think about discipline or giving things up or not indulging in things that's just who I am on a 24-7 basis I exercise and I eat well so it wasn't a struggle for me to eat well. It's a struggle for me on MasterChef to not eat well. You have workaholic tendencies. I think mine are, are probably not quite as pronounced as yours. You were, you like to graft, don't you? And I, I think that you um, don't feel like you're succeeding in life unless your diary is almost fit to burst. Would that be right? Yeah, well, I, I look forward to taking it a little bit easier. I just don't feel like I've got enough money to relax yet. I mean, I've, I've got no, I've got no ambitions to like have yachts and sports cars and a private jet or anything like that or a holiday home anywhere. I just want financial security. And unless I'm working all the time, I just don't feel like I'm working hard enough. All I want to do is just have enough. So if anything goes wrong, I can carry on it. It's just, it's, I'm a security addict. That's why I carry on working. But also, Greg, I mean, you, you had a moment where you'd built. It was it was becoming an empire, and then you lost it all. So once you've been through an experience like that, that must stay with you forevermore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've chatted to the therapist about this. I mean, there, there are two things. One is yes, going from going from um, a nice big house and flash cars to to, to nothing again, and uh, the other one is is how poor I was starting up. 
and both those things that, that that's what haunts me and that's what that's what drives me on that's what spurs me on i mean my wife anna bless her uh says you don't have to earn any more i'd rather have you at home you, you really don't have to and you're not doing this for me now just so you understand you're, you're doing it for you uh but i'm just terrified of poverty absolutely terrified i understand that though because you had nothing growing up um, you, you had what I would describe as a very um, difficult childhood with some big revelations thrown in, difficult parents that, you know, the, the man you thought you was your dad wasn't. He was a bit of a, a drunk. Uh, there was a lot of, it was a very yeah. volatile household. Then your mum goes off and starts an affair with the man who actually is your dad. But that wasn't particularly easy for you either. Was I mean, like, you, it sounds like EastEnders on speed. <laughs> Yeah, do you know, um, I did a lot of sofa surfing, they call it, staying at mates' houses. I pretty much opted out of the whole system from the, from the age of about 15. Mm. Um, by the time I was 15, 16, I'd moved out from home completely and I was completely unmanageable. Um, back then, when I look back at all of these things in my life, and I now compare them to my children, um, they look really scary. But when you're doing it, of course, you're just living it. Yeah. You, you don't know it's wrong. This is a time when we didn't have mental health awareness, access to therapists. Um, you know, it, it, we just weren't living in as woke a time. So I guess you just had no choice. You had to get on with it. Yeah, I, I was a bright boy. So I went to a, a grammar school. And uh, once I started misbehaving, they just didn't want me there. I, I feel that if I'd have gone to a comprehensive, they'd have been more aware of the issues that I was going through and I may have got some sort of support. But going to a grammar school, they just didn't want me around. Didn't um, they? No, 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 which is, which is, which is, which is understandable. Um, as I say, you just, you just get the hardest thing for me um, was being about 17, 18, um, realising I had nothing. At that point, you realise you've got nothing at all. You've got no qualifications. And you start comparing yourself to other people around you. And they're starting. So by the time you get into 19 and 20, other people are owning things like nice cars or putting mm. deposits on flats. And, you know, this is Thatcher's 80s. And I had nothing. And that hurt. That really, really hurt. So I suppose that was, that was the, 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 the drive to, to get on. That was the hardest thing is comparing yourself unfavourably with others. Um, just so the listener is is aware of the kind of like the, how you got to that point. You were raised in Peckham, as I said, with a man uh, who you thought was your dad but wasn't. But actually your mum had a child with him who was his child. Then around the age of 14, she, I mean, it was a very unhappy marriage, wasn't it? And and she, she, wasn't, oh. she wasn't a happy lady in it. And they were both unfaithful and there was lots of drink and lots of rows. But his, his parents lived with you and they were possibly your only stability in childhood. Would that be a fair thing to yeah, say? Yeah, yeah. My baby boy is called Sid and that's named after my grandfather who lived upstairs and we lived downstairs and uh, he was the rock in my life uh, I didn't realize it I mean I was just he was just granddad and he was always there and lo I loved you like he loved you like he was he was your grandfather loved you like his own yeah oh unbelievable man yeah unbelievable man. wonderful wonderful man just had so much time um such patience uh just loved me unconditionally obviously 
Um, and you just take it for granted when you're a small child because his granddad, right, is it's always there. So that was that was really good, always having them there. I mean, I would I would leave my mum and dad downstairs, even at a very young age, and climb up the stairs to be with to be with granddad. When my mum and dad finally moved away from there and bought a flat, I think a lot of what I had collapsed uh, because I wasn't there. We didn't have family unit. At the same time, my mum and dad were experiencing terrible, terrible problems. I feel a bit sorry for my mum because my mum kind of hears these interviews and reads these interviews and gets upset by them. But I can't change history. If people are interested. It is what happens. I don't blame her. I have, I have certain sympathy for her. Uh, it's unfortunate. When my own children came along, I realised that they didn't come with a set of instructions. And whether we like it or not, we are responsible for who our children become. The problem is none of us are experts. <laughs> no. And, and your mother was very young and had previously oh, met. God. Yeah, she was, you know, when you, you, you put yourself, uh, I mean, I was reading up on it and I think, gosh, yes, that is so young. I didn't even know what I wanted for dinner, let alone what I wanted out of life at that age. Um, and then she does, she reconnects with your biological father. And very bewildering for you, you, you leave this unhappy home. She moves in with, with this guy. Is it Jerry? Jerry, yeah. And that you moved to, to Sydenham, which if, if, if you don't know the area, you, know, you describe this as a very middle class. I, I used to live in Sydenham. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have gone that far, but I can see from where you were coming from in Peckham, that must have felt like a, a step up the social ladder for, for you. And well, it's then... Yeah, it was, yes, go on. It's then, that, it's then that Jerry kind of reveals himself whilst flicking through some old pictures of him as a teenager with your mum anxiously sat at his side, trying to see, watch you to see, does the penny drop? Do you realise that I, you know, it's it's that it's that, that that Star Wars moment, I am your father. I mean, <laughs> yeah, talk about mom, fry your head, Greg. <laughs> yeah, my mum uh, uh, had me when she was 20. Um, so she she had an overbearing strict dad um so and she was the youngest of the three kids in wimbledon and uh she rebelled and married an electrician from peckham so that's so she kind of um she found herself in a new world she wanted to come home she told me years later and her, her mother wouldn't let her uh they oh, said, really? you it, like yeah you, you married against our wishes you put up with it then. so there she was stuck in peckham with a alcoholic husband very very unhappy and she went to work for a much much older man or he, he didn't own the company he was the company secretary and she had an affair with him and uh, i was the product of that affair but as i said i didn't know um and she stayed in touch with him and later on got together with him and uh, we all moved to sydney it didn't last long i, I just didn't like it my mum's accent changed overnight um, her views changed overnight. I can understand it, but it, but I think they both expected me to be like them, but I wasn't. I'm 15 years old. I'm a boy brought up in Peckham. That's that's my that's that's my foundation. That's who I am. I've still got a granddad. I'm very fond of in, in Peckham. I'm I'm not the person that they are. I'm not the person my mum's become, and it, it caused friction. It caused real, real Which is which is a long way of talking around to the point that actually by the time you hit 17, you'd been out of home for two years, you dropped out of school, you, you, you were without any kind of qualifications. And 
then the Greg Wallace that we know became apparent. You started selling fruit and veg. Many, it wasn't too many years later. You're turning over nearly 8 million quid a year. You go on to oh, no. bars and restaurants. I mean, and then you stumble into broadcasting on Radio 4, which is quite fancy, may I say, after being interviewed by a trade you know, journalist in a, in a grocery magazine. Yeah, it's quite a remarkable story, isn't it? Really? It is. It, it is. Yeah. And it, it's, I think it's just proof um, in this country that you can actually be whoever you want to be. I think so many people, Greg, first of all, feel like they know you because you've been on our tellies forever and a day, but they probably have some quite big misconceptions about you. They think you're a chef, first and foremost, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they do. Well, I get this uh, criticism all the time from MasterChef, like how how can you be a judge on MasterChef if you're not a chef? Um, but there are lots of people on television that aren't, that aren't chefs. So the hairy bikers aren't chefs. Delia's not a chef. The problem is, for me on television, is that MasterChef won't let me cook. They only want John to cook, so no one ever sees me cooking. You can see me cooking on Eat Well for Less, but they want someone standing beside John while John explains what the dishes are. And, of course, he can't explain it straight to camera, so they need a stooge. So there you are. That's, <laughs> so that's, the, that, that's, the, that's the major issue, that I just don't get to cook on television. I mean, you know, people might not be aware that Jamie Oliver was never head chef. He's, by the time he was being famous, he'd never run a, he'd never run a kitchen. People have, um, yeah, never run a restaurant kitchen. I have a real interest in food because I've been working in food all of my adult life. As you say, when, by the time I was 19, 20, I was supplying restaurants in, uh, in, in London. Uh, by the time I was in my early 20s, I was eating out five or six times a week. I don't mind the, the, the criticism, by the way. It's, it's, just, it's just perception. But I do wish I was allowed to cook on television. I think with MasterChef, I think the BBC and the production company in their wisdom consider that I'm tasting the food the same way as people at home would. Yeah. Which is important. Yeah. Which, really important. Which is important. I, I wondered, if we were sitting down, and know you like white wine, what would our tipple of choice be before I start to present you with our first question um, over what feels like breakfast? We'd have a white burgundy. Oh. Uh, we'd have a we'd have a Comte-Font Merceau. That's what I think we'd have. A nice, okay. big, buttery, oaky burgundy. Nice. A white burgundy. You don't hear about those so much, do you? Yeah, you do in my house. <laughs> so despite the fitness, you still you still like to, to have a, a bit of the old oh, break from time to time? Maybe, yeah, maximum twice a week. Okay. Maximum okay. twice a week. I mean, I hadn't been home for a fortnight, so I was home yesterday afternoon and I was making lunch. I was home, well, I was home Friday night. Uh, I was making lunch yesterday and opened a bottle of wine. It was 20 to 12. And I said to my wife, do you mind? She was like, no, go on, darling. You, you have a... And then my mother-in-law came in. I, I said, do you want a glass of wine, Rena? She was like, well, if you opened a bottle. And, she, and then Anna, my wife, said, well, if, <laughs> if you both have one, then I'll have one. It was like, <laughs> And my father-in-law came in. It wasn't quite midday yet. And he was like, really? <laughs> this time of day? So maybe we could crack over a bottle of, I mean, Greg, seriously, if, if you could do it before midday, you're something of a legend in my book. <laughs> when did you last really do yourself proud? And when did you last horribly let yourself down? I'll start with the let myself down, right? I, I went on to this Ma Michael McIntyre quiz show a couple of weeks ago. 
actually, it turned out okay, but I'm, I'm highly professional and I don't mind telling you. I haven't told anybody else this year. Um, I had, it was a short notice thing and I only had two or three days notice. And, um, I'd agreed to see a friend of mine and he's my oldest friend, Miguel, who'd been friends with me at 15. And I knew he was coming round and I couldn't cancel it and I knew it was going to be a biggie. So I turned up with this Michael McIntyre shirt with the biggest hangover I've had in about 18 <laughs> months. Desperately trying to hide it. So I think I let myself down there. When was the last time I really did myself proud? Um, it's, it's just, it's having time with the baby boy. It's, you know, making time for my, for my, for my son, my baby son. Uh, I think probably getting in the bath with him last night. I just, I thought, you know, you, you, you just, because I work all the time. I was in my office and I thought, no, put everything down and just go and spend some time with your little boy. And I felt like that was the right thing to do. Because you've already raised two now adult children. And mm. very unusually, when you separated from their mother, Greg, you won custody and were their primary carer. Um, whilst working all the hours, God sense, um, talk me through what that must have been like, because you you wouldn't mm. have, it, wouldn't, it wasn't very common at the time, was it? No, well, I I didn't get custody of them straight away. I, I didn't try to get custody of them straight away. Um, I left their mum and them uh, with a nice detached house in Richmond. Um, and my business had gone under. I didn't have a great deal of money. I gave them everything I had and started to rebuild my life and then realised that she had serious alcohol issues. Uh, she died two years ago, bless her. Drank herself to death. Uh, she had a serious I'm so, alcohol you know, issue. I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that. Uh, were at risk. Yeah, we're at, we're at risk. So um, she went into rehab and I looked after them for a couple of months and she was coming out of rehab and both children said they wanted to stay with me. Um, now, mother's rights are never ending. So we had three court cases of her trying to get the children. Uh, but they stayed they stayed with me. Um, I wasn't particularly good at it. You've got to make a decision as a single parent. Uh, are you going to be at home? Are you going to work? Are you going to try and do both jobs as well as you can or, or, or do both jobs badly? I decided to work and just threw money at the problem through nannies and housekeepers. And about four or five years ago, uh, I had a beer with my son. I've, I've had the same conversation with my daughter, but I think my son's response was better. Tom. He's now 26. He was about 21, 22. I said, listen, son, listen, let's have a beer. I said, listen, I know it wasn't brilliant for you when I was growing up. Um, I'm ready to listen. I, I'm not I'm not here for an argument. I, I know things weren't brilliant, and, and I didn't do the best job as a dad. Um, is there anything you want to discuss with me right now? And he looked at me, and he went, yeah, that's a little bit deep, Dad. Should we have another beer? <laughs> 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 and there I was ready to have this big open. Uh, so I think looking at the children, both adults, do you know what, what I'm really, really proud of is both Tom and Libby, who are 26 and 23, they were both at the hospital when their baby brother was born. But it's fundamental. You can throw all the money you like at it. You're still the one and only parent in there, like, by the sounds of it, certainly for your, for, in your case, you're the one and only present parent who's able to address their emotional needs and be the one at parents evening and sports day that must have that must have been a lot maybe you're not being kind of um kind enough to yourself about the achievement of raising two kids 
I, I'm, I'm proud of who they are and I'm proud of how it turned out. I, I still think I could have done it better. Um, but then we hey, all that's do, every right? parent. Yeah, that's we, every we, parent. We all do. What, what I realised was it didn't matter how many people you employed, they would only do the job. They wouldn't do all of the job that a parent would do. You know, so if you've got a nanny there that works from Monday to Friday, she hasn't really cared at all that there's a there's a birthday party on the Saturday and Libby needs a present and an outfit. So you get home on the Friday night and you're like, oh, my God. Or, you know, no one's really looking, making sure they do their homework on a, on a day-by-day basis. There are the th- honestly, we're, we're, you know, ha- now having a, a settled home here with, with Anna, uh, you realise how much better two parents are. Not that it's, not that, yes, it's better. It's easier. It just is easier with two. It's funny, I um, I don't think I've got the same recognition as a single dad as a single mum would do. I think there's a bit mm. of sexism going on here. I think probably because I'm a very, very rare commodity, a single a single dad. Well, well, certainly at that time and dealing with... Um you know, a, a, an acrimonious marital breakdown at a time when you were, you'd lo- you know, you'd lost everything with your business. I mean, Jesus, Greg, that must have been a challenging time, to say the yeah. least. Yeah, again, again, it was looking back, but when you're there, you're just doing it together. And me and the kids, we actually look back at this fondly, right? So there I am. I've just started on the TV, right? I'm now building another fruit and veg business from a farm in Surrey, right? So I'm now just like working lost 27 everything. hours. Having yeah, lost everything, right? And, I, and I'm renting a one-bedroom flat in Hampton Wick. All of a sudden, I've got custody of the kids. So the kids are in my bed, and I, until I, until I bought a sofa bed, was just sleeping on the floor of the living room. <laughs> it was just madness. I honestly don't know how we got through it. I really don't. I mean, one day, they, I ended up just having to take them into the MasterChef studio, and they ended up spending the day watching Star Wars movies and eating McDonald's in an edit suite. You know, well done and respect to you, for, you. Uh, for for turning out what what looked like two very well-balanced young adults. And they're great. I mean, they're just nothing like me. I mean, they're absolutely – well, actually, Libby <laughs> is very like me. Yeah, my, my mum has said for years, good God, that's you in a frock. Um, <laughs> and I've got, a business, I've got a business called Show Me Fit that my daughter runs. So we actually work together, me and, my, me and my little girl. She's got a first in contemporary theatre from uh, Manchester Met. I'm very, very proud of her. She's very bright, very creative. And uh, and she's just full of energy and self-importance like her father, completely self-obsessed like her dad. My son, <laughs> my son is 26 and, uh, and got an economics degree uh, and has no ambition whatsoever. Says, listen, Dad, I watched you as a workaholic growing up and thought to myself, that is not the life I want. So <laughs> you would expect my daughter that did that did um, contemporary theatre to be the hippie, and she's completely and utterly driven. And you would expect the economics student, my son, to be the one who's got all the energy and all the drive. Yeah. He's just like a complete hippie. You know, have I got enough money to pay the bills? Good. Have I got enough money to go on holiday? Right, fine. That's it. That's all I want. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I wanted to talk lessons in love because you and Anna said recently, I think it was on Loose Women, that in all the years you've been together, you've never had a row. And yet you've been married four times now. Um, I wondered what lessons have four marriages taught you to get to the point where you are in a relationship where you've never had a crossword? Uh, What has love taught me? It's taught me that it's an absolute game of chance. And that is it. It is a complete and utter lottery. And I'm very, very fortunate that I just got the winning ticket. I mean, I just won the Euro Millions the day that young lady walked into my life. Um, well, she didn't walk into your life. She popped up on your timeline, didn't she? Yeah, she's on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. The second um, Twitter marriage, Greg. <laughs> yeah, the second Twitter marriage. Well, because we don't go to nightclub. I'm on the television. I can't walk into bars and stuff. You can't chat anybody up at work because the HR department would sack you. Uh, what I liked about Twitter was that it's not a um, it's not a dating site. You can just have friendly chats with people, but you know where are you supposed to meet people? I don't know how you can meet someone and fall in love without actually meeting someone. I don't know how you can. Yeah, it's, 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 you've got to you got to meet people. It's tricky, that's for sure. But I mean, when you think back, I mean, obviously, four marriages across. You know, you know, you're fifty six now. Is that right? I wonder what each of those taught you because they came at very different points in your life. And and I and I hope and like to think that we as human beings are a constant work in progress. We're always learning. And then we take lessons from one situation into the next, apply them better ourselves. Ooh. I don't know, maybe make even more mistakes. A lesson from each one. A lesson from each yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. Because marriage number one didn't last very long, did it? No, no, about six weeks. Uh don't marry anybody because you and you are worried about losing your house, right? There's the first one. So is that what that, that was? Wait, yeah. Explain. Yeah, we had, a, hey. we, had a, we had well, we we bought we bought a house, a small house together in Bermondsey, and then we broke up. 
And I thought, well, this is this is terrible. What's going to happen to the house? I've worked so hard all my life. Well, all my life. I wasn't very old. You know, I've worked really, really hard to get, to get here. What's now going to happen? So we got back together again, and we were talking about, well, because we've broken up once already, we should make this more real. So we got married. Uh, so uh, the second one was actually the children's mum. And we were together Denise. 14 years. The third one, huge mistake. Huge, huge mistake. It's probably the unhappiest I've ever been in my life. And yet she she was somebody that you, again, you'd met on Twitter, younger than you, um, yeah. a teacher who became, even when you split up, I thought that was remarkable. She was working as your nanny and she didn't want to leave the kids. The kids were were, were seemed, from what you both said in interviews, very happy with her. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, she was a teacher. She was really, really good with the kids. What What are those eight years outside of, because you'd left your, your well, Denise left your marriage, you left your marriage, I don't know, with the kids. Then you have these eight years before you fall into your third marriage. What had you learnt during those eight years about yourself? I was still trying to deal with the insecurity and the anxiety. I've battled with anxiety all my life. Um, the anxiety of... Um, of um, of losing everything, of not thinking you're good enough. Always just a drive to be financially secure. It's never been anything else but. It's really? Never, it's, ne- it's been the focal point of my whole entire life. What, how, mu- how much is enough for you, Greg? Like, where, where, at what point will the anxiety abate and you go, we're all right, I've got it covered, we've got enough? Is there, is there a figure? Um, it's, it, I won't put an actual monetary figure on it, but it's, it's no mortgage at all. And it's enough in a pension pot so you don't have to earn at all. That's it. So I'm 56 now. Let's say I retire at 71. I've got another 15 years of trading to get that done. I reckon I'll do it. <laughs> I reckon I'll do it. I think you'll do it. I'm sure you'll do it. You've done it once before. And, I mean, you've also had to start again. There must be massive lessons in that because most people would be exhausted after everything just, you know, turns to shit especially at a time when your marriage is ending and um how do you go about putting all those building blocks back oh, together mate, again? it's amazing i'm having the same conversation now with with chef owners of restaurants that are facing bankruptcy yeah but this is what i've learned all right first thing is when things start to go wrong you worry all right and what you're worried about is losing things okay once those things are gone it's completely and utterly liberating. You can't worry about losing them anymore. All right. If the house is gone, the marriage is gone, the cars have gone, right? That's it. You don't have to worry anymore. And now what is left? What is left is your balls, your brain, your experience and your contact. And let me tell you, if you were good enough to go from nothing in the first place to there, all you're now doing is pruning you will come back even stronger and quicker than you did before. That I will absolutely guarantee. Absolutely guarantee. If you have an entrepreneurial spirit that got you so far, then you lose it. You will come back even stronger because you've got so much experience. Mm. What have you learned from it? Do you know, I put this on Instagram, I think, two days ago as a message. There is no such thing as failure if you've learned a lesson from it. It was just a lesson. It was just a lesson. In America, they kind of expect people to get their businesses wrong 
they look at it as like, over here, you're some kind of crook. Yeah. What a dodgy bastard. No, he wasn't. Listen, stupidity yeah. and ignorance is not a crime. It's not a crime. It's the same way in there's absolutely no way of finding true love without dating people. There is no way of building a business successfully without making mistakes along the way. But that bit about losing things, honestly, it's absolutely right. My daughter said this to me. She said, Dad, I've watched you very, very closely over a number of years, and I honestly, honestly believe there is nothing, nothing you're not capable of. I've watched you go down twice, come back up again, even stronger twice. And I think that, that's, that's what I've learned. You may go under owing money. But let me tell you, in my experience, the one who's owed the most money is, is you. The one who loses the most is you. Was that your experience? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, when um, we, we put the farm business into receivership, the biggest creditor was me. They said, look, everyone's going to get like 20p in the pound. However, if you take your money out of it, because you're owed as well, or I think someone, I think they end up, maybe they got 30 or 40p in the pound. If I'd taken my money out of it, everybody would have got 10p in the pound. Because I was owed money because I put money in as an investor and I decided not to take any money out. So but then everybody still thinks you're a crook. You're right. When that part of your life is reported, it's not that anybody accuses you of anything. It's just the language that we use. It, it feels a bit shady, a bit, mm, bit probably a bit more to, to this than meets the eye. For three, for three years following that, um, the journalists were getting hold of the financial statements of the business businesses saying that the business was valued at this and now it's now it's valued at so much less it's another issue and i actually was like no no that's the money i've taken out of that business that was that was my salary that was my drawing (laughs) you you know what's happening here you're making up stories around you know they go well it's 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 worth a hundred thousand pound less than it was no that's what i paid myself that's why it's that's why that money like, you know what you're reading here. You, you are because obviously my money from because I've got so many varied bits of work. My money goes into two different companies. One is a partnership I have with my wife. The other one is a limited company. And they kept claiming the limited company had like had lost so much money or was worth. No, no, no. That was just my drawing. And this this followed me around for about three years. I mean, my favourite headline was uh, a Sun journalist said to me. Uh, and I don't mind the sun, actually. Uh, I don't mind them at all. They're, they're quite gentle with me compared to other papers like, like, like the Mail. Have you ever read? I mean, if the, the Mail writes something about you online, the, 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 the comments that people leave, I've never seen anything so angry and so spiteful in my life as those, those, why those comments. Why on earth? Why would you, Greg, why would you read the comments? That's like going to your kitchen drawer and getting a knife and, 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 and slowly oh self-harming. Word. I would never read the comments. I mean, have you oh ever met word. anybody whose opinion you trust and value and then say, oh, by the way, every day I like to sit on the, uh, the mail online and leave comments and you go, oh, nice one. Of course you don't. Yeah. These are not happy people. My favourite headline was The Sun, and they said, do you and John Tarot ever fall out over the judging? And Marshall said, yes, we're passionate people, but what we like to do if we do fall out is we like to have a glass of wine afterwards or a pint of beer and make sure that we're okay filming the next day. That's what I said. I came into the Master studio the next day, and uh, the director's producers went, uh, look, Greg, have a look at this. And uh, half a page in The Sun said, Master Chef Rouse drove me to drink, says Greg Wallace. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. 
my last and final question to you. If you could pick up the phone to yourself at any point in your life, when would you call and what would you say to yourself? I would be 17 years old, beginning to realise I'd messed everything up and I had no qualifications and desperately trying to figure out how it was I was going to salvage my life and make something of myself. And I would go and say to myself, listen, you have absolutely nothing to worry about. You are about to embark on the biggest adventure you could possibly, possibly every minute. You have got absolutely no idea where you're going. But let me tell you, it is beyond your wildest expectations. And a small little note at the bottom, and it would say, just make sure you don't marry anybody until you meet Anna. <laughs> but you can't regret that because that's regret that's regretting your two grown-up children you'll never regret them i'm sure no no of course not. no i'm very proud of i'm very very proud of the pair of them as i say and i work closely now day by day with my with my little girl yeah now tell me that you have your, your fitness platform was born mm. in lockdown which which again speaks of your workaholic tendencies and the fact that you couldn't despite saying that you know you went okay i've got enough money i can enjoy this you then went and set up another business, Greg. So it's not like you you, you sat back and, and rested on your laurels. No, no. Um, I suppose this is what happens if you lock a workaholic up in his house for three months. My fitness journey has been well documented. I have lost four and a half stone and I am in the gym five days a week. But when I realised that there, there was such an interest in it, I mean, I did it to get fit and well. And I started to like how I looked. But what was starting to happen was obviously we do press for the programs that we're on. And they started to get hijacked by questions about my weight loss journey. And then I thought, wow, there is some serious interest in this. And then it started to get newspaper headlines about my weight loss. Lots of stuff kept appearing online. I thought, there's serious interest in this. So I sat down and thought, right, what is it that stops people losing weight and getting fit? What used to stop me and how could I tackle this and how can I set up a business? And then as I started to, I'm reaching out to people that are cleverer than me, business people, and started to put a plan together. And the real revelation was my daughter. And I said to her, I've got to film things and I've got to get things filmed. You know, this is going to be expensive. They've got to be edited. You know, someone's got to run the content. She went, I can do that. I was like, can you? She was like, yes, I can do that. I was like, I, what did you think I was doing at university? I went, I don't know. I, I thought you were best starfish on the stage for three years. She went, right, you do a recipe. I'll film it. She went away, came back a few hours later, and there was this amazing clip edited with, like, with text underneath and switch what music on it. I was like, oh, I, don't. I was like, Libby, she went, I can do this, Dad. I can, and that was it. That was it. We just set this thing up together. We had my my wife complained that we turned the house into a television studio. There was me, there was Libby filming me doing exercise programs here in the lounge. There was my there was my wife being filmed doing recipes in the kitchen. Yeah, because Anna does the recipes, doesn't she? She's, yeah. she's 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 involved as well. And meanwhile, you've got your mother and father-in-law living with you, helping out. I mean, you've you've. It's like the Waltons kind of really, Greg. It's really lovely, yeah. This business is called Show Me Fit, right? It's, uh, it's show, And it's about weight loss and it's about fitness and recipes and cookery. And so 
having the in-laws here really, really helped because we, we, we've got a little baby, you know, so there was no way that Anna as a mum would have been able to, and me as a dad would have been able to do all of this stuff, put this stuff together without the help of the in-laws. Many journalists misunderstand. They think the in-laws are here because of lockdown. No, they're not. They live here. They live here. Yeah. There are five adults in this house, five adults <laughs> and a baby. The only one who's not here is my son who lives in Bristol, who's 26. And my father-in-law, my Italian father-in-law still says to me, when's he coming home? <laughs> <laughs> but this is the Italian way. This is the Italian way, isn't it? Multi-generational living and and why not? I mean, does it work for you guys? Oh, mate, I love it. Yeah, I absolutely love it. I, I, it's, you know, when I mention it to people, like, they raise their eyebrows. But, you know, this, this morning, the, the breakfast, people coming and going, you know, lunchtime and dinner time we sit down together breakfast times i love the energy i mean people just come in and out of that kitchen with the baby in their arms or you've got the the father-in-law's got to have his strong coffee in the morning the mother-in-law just like like a mother hen just trying to feed everybody but like my wife joining in and then my wife and mother-in-law sit down like like strategic planning and kind of make a plan of the rest of the day as everybody else is eating i just they look after my they look after my daughter as if as if she's she's their own. I just think it's I just love it. I honestly love it. I mean, yesterday, for example, um, Anna did roast chicken at night, but I did lunch, so I did a smoked out of chowder. Well, within ten minutes of me cooking, there were four people in the kitchen drinking wine. It's really really nice. There's proper meal times going on all the time. You were asking me about marriages before. I, I haven't approached this marriage any differently to the way I approach the others. I just honestly this time found someone who really likes me, who honestly thinks who I am is good and decent. So let me tell you this, right? So when I meet the parents, right? So it's like, I'm Anna, when I met Anna, I was her fourth boyfriend. She'd never left home, right? She was 25, 26 years old, right? So within two weeks of dating, she wants me to meet her mum and dad, right? So... So, and then I had dinner with her mum and dad, and then I invited them to my house a week or so later. And I said to, I said to Anna, listen, I need to speak to your parents, all right? Uh, alone. That's okay. You're okay. And I said, look, I'm a lot older than your, because they're, they're only a little bit older than me, Anna's mum and dad. So I'm a lot older than your daughter. And her father said, she seems very happy to me. And then I said to her mum, look, I've been married a number of times before. And her mum said, yeah, I know, but your mum lives around the corner and your children live with you. You must be okay. You must be okay. We don't know what's happened before, but you must be all right. If your kids are here, your mum's around the corner, you must be all right. And that was it. That was enough for them. Bless them. So that was it. I mean, that, that, was pretty much, that was pretty much it. That's incredibly welcoming for you because you're right. You must have thought, hang on a minute. You've only got to Google me to see. Three times married, a lot older than their daughter, closer in age to them than I am to her. Yeah, I mean, as a parent, you'd sit there and, you you, you know, you put yourself in their shoes. You, you might approach this with extreme caution. But as uh, Rena, my mother-in-law, I'm so close to Rena, as, uh, as she said, as time developed, she said, well... You're a man of your words. You got engaged to Anna. You married Anna. You bought a bigger house. You've got a grandson. We now live here. Everything you said you would do, you, you've done. You've done. 
I think I could have been like this. I know we always say if we just met the right person, but I'm not any different. Well, good luck with the business. How can uh, people log on and enjoy this this family affair? Well, have a look at have a look at Show Me Fit. Uh, it's seven pounds a month, but there's some free pages, so just go and have a look there. And the, the idea is that it's not about dieting; it's about teaching yourself healthier ways, step by step, bit by bit, picking up habits that will last with you forever. Not changing your life for two months before you go on holiday and then putting all the weight back on afterwards. Just gradually teaching yourself good habits because that's how I, you know, I've lost four and a half stone. I've never ever been on a diet in my life. How about that? You, you can hear your passion for it. And I, and I love the story. I love the fact that you can still have a glass of wine. I love the fact that you, you've got the family all kind of hunkered down working on it together. And, and I really, I really do wish you well with it. And thank you so much for sitting down with me today. Maybe next time we can get you back and we can really crack open a couple of bottles of that lovely burgundy but greg thank you for your time it's been a joy getting to know you better and what a life what a life you've lived continued success you have a nice style you ask some brilliant questions greg loads of love all right my lovely bye darling Oh, thank you so much for listening. As always, the show is produced by me, Kate Thornton, with Richard Hatherall for Yahoo UK, and editing is by Callum Goddard-Mucklow. Our music, as always, is provided by Andy Bell, and if you have the time and inclination, please do try to rate and review us. Uh, it really does help other people to find and discover the show. Uh, I'll be back next week with more fascinating guests. Until then, stay safe and do as we always do, and make sure you drink responsibly. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.